I have a huge heart for those who have wandered from the Christian faith. I too was on the run from Christ. But as a fugitive, you have to keep pace. You become paranoid. You labour to harden the conscience. It becomes a daily activity to fudge the truth. Once you've met with truth, it's hard to deny it, but deny it you must. It's a tragic life for the backslider who, having denied themselves, must now deny what they know to be true. It has reached an epidemic scale in the UK. It is true that for every one person who converts to Christianity, 26 fall away from the faith. We are now a dead nation. I wouldn't say less religious or I suppose even less spiritual. Political movements display religious behaviour and aggressive assertion of what they believe to be the way. If anything, because of the vacuum caused through dead faith, competing religions and spirits of the age are well and truly pregnant. Much could be said to pin down the why. The bottom line is this, we've walked away from the word of God. And the research in this field exposes our shortcomings. Let's look at the evidence. The biggest ever independent study in the West, focusing on young people, revealed that it was the undermining of the authority of the Word of God which ultimately drove them out of church. Research analysis C. Brett Beamer revealed that two out of three young people are deserting the church largely because they began to doubt the accuracy of the Bible. We must step back and acknowledge the impression we leave is of spurious, disconnected stories, departing from the greatest overarching true story of the gospel and the power it has to transform hearts and minds permanently. This same study detailed in Ham and Beamer's book, Already Gone, exposed, among other points, that students who regularly attended Sunday school are actually, are actually more likely not to believe that the accounts and the stories in the Bible are true and accurate. They're more likely to doubt the Bible because it was written by men. They're more likely to defend premarital sex. They're much more likely to believe that God used evolution to change one kind into another. They're much more likely to question the Bible because they believe the earth is not less than 10,000 years old. They're more likely to view the church as hypocritical. They're much more likely to have become anti-church throughout the years. They're more likely to believe good people don't need to go to church. So, look, no one is questioning the dedication, intentions or passions of children's workers. You are most likely not thanked enough. There is, though, a real problem that filters through the church veins. Children take things at face value and they can detect when a story doesn't add up. They may make all the right sounds, but if the roots are shallow, their faith will be scorched in the state school sun. If the authority of God's word is undermined in the first foundational books, it leads to a slippery slide of unbelief about the whole of the Bible. I have personally experienced all kinds of great ministries where God is clearly working. Undeniably, there are astonishing things happening within the body of the church and some brilliant uh, God-fearing saints holding fast to the gospel of the kingdom, its foundation and the finale. The reality across the board, however, as Ken Ham says, is a spiritual epidemic that has wiped out the land of our Christian forefathers. England was the home to our great spiritual ancestors. Many of the greatest preachers, teachers and evangelists 
of the last 200 years. I'm convinced it's directly connected to the authority of God's word being watered down and a distorted gospel being preached. Research by Comres for the Bible Society surveying UK church leaders showed only 47% think the Bible is free from errors and some don't believe the Bible is inspired by God. 27% of leaders surveyed said they do not use the Bible frequently for preaching and teaching and 13% said the Bible is not regularly taught at their churches. More than a tenth also said they do not think that the church should work harder to promote biblical principles across society. So, to be clear, the research reveals that there are many church leaders who do not view the Bible as God's inerrant word, do not teach and preach the Bible frequently, do not feel the Bible actively challenges them to live in a way which runs counter to the present culture in Britain, or believe in promoting its principles. All of this evidently manifests in the belief and actions of churchgoers who in the same survey admitted only 35% said they read the Bible every day, 45% in a similar survey in America. Only 57% believe the Bible should shape their, their daily lives a great deal. Only 60% believe the Bible provides moral guidance, sets out God's rescue plan for humanity and shows God's priorities. And only 68% say the Bible is regularly taught at their church. So according to churchgoers, they seldom read the Bible. It doesn't shape their daily lives. They don't believe it offers moral guidance, do not know that it speaks of God's good news plan for mankind, and probably because according to them, they are not taught the Bible. How depressing is that. If we are not preaching God's gospel of his plan for the king and his kingdom, what message are we sending? This is a damning yet sadly not surprising indictment of the state of the church. It's time to call the church back to the authority of the word of God, starting at the beginning in Genesis and pointing to the hope of the promised kingdom. There's a whole heap of issues to face in the UK, sown from comfortable living to over-spiritualizing, over-realizing theology, to the feminization of the church, to something obviously going astray in the pulpit. But the bottom line is that we've walked away from God's word over to man's word. The culture of today has a firm grip on the church. We see in the Bible that when the leaders of Israel followed God's word, the nation followed suit. When they followed their own way, the nation fell. When the leaders of the church stray, so do the congregants, like sheep without a shepherd. A country without a biblical backbone falls for temptation. The state of the nation is a reflection on the church. We learn from the Bible that in just one generation, you can lose everything. But equally, the next generation can regain what was lost. There is hope. We are required to find a way to reach the next generation with biblical truth. First off, we must believe what God says in his word. It sounds obvious, but we're master cherry pickers. Jesus insisted that we turn and become like children. Adult pride drives our obsessive urge for new theological perspectives, the hottage church strategies, the coolest expressions. There's nothing new under the sun. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. 
A childlike faith must manifest in the pulpit and ripple through the pews. I sat in a church once with my wife before we had kids and they prepared a puppet show. The problem was no kids turned up and in fact as far as I can remember no one else turned up so they continued with the puppet show just for us and then there was no proper preach. It was it was so awkward. I felt like we were sort of being filmed for a, a YouTube prank video or something, but this isn't uncommon. Up and down the country, churches are dumbing down the Bible to resort to puppet shows and kids' activities and tabletop sales, which is great peripheral stuff, but not when it replaces the main thing, not when it replaces the preaching of the Word of God. Then we see churches at the other end of the spectrum that are booking the trend of decline, commonly priding themselves on relevance. The trophy of relevance, however, appears often only in the category of expression. We can learn a lot from growing churches, yet it's important to remember that relevance and expression is not necessarily relevance in content. It's that one draws crowds quicker than the other. We should welcome relevant expression, but without relevant content, it's tempting to hurdle over doctrinal matters that the nation is struggling with in fear of offending to the decline of numbers. It always amazes me how little the average congregant understands about the foundations of their faith. Roots are shallow, detached from Middle East origins. We want to be drip-fed on milk. We don't want to get off the bottle and mature in faith, especially when chocolate milk is now on offer. Within the culture wars, the church overall has folded its hand. As an example, there is a huge difference in church culture between those whose members bring Bibles and those who never have one to hand. Guess which type has been influenced by the world more than them being the influencers? The gospel is disruptive. It is countercultural. It is offensive. But blessed is the one who is not offended by me, said Jesus. Why are we so ashamed of the Old Testament and even parts of the New? On the Emmaus Road, Jesus revealed how the Old Testament is not just a Jewish history book. It's written about him. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It is alarming how common it is to hear leaders say, don't worry about the Old Testament, just focus on Jesus. Or perhaps the Old Testament creation eschatology is a distraction, just concentrate on Jesus. They create a God in their own image and finish up worshipping a different Jesus. Our Lord was explicit in stating, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. You may say you're convinced Jesus rose from the dead, but if you do not hear Moses and the prophets, eventually neither will you be convinced Jesus rose from the dead. Either lukewarm or on cultural steroids. One way or the other, we have to stop watering it down and start preaching the word as it was written from start to finish. Paul said, I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. It would take a paradigm shift of the church to return to God's word. It's not as if we need more resources or skill set or called leaders. It strikes me that we don't want to change because if we did, we would soon enough be constrained to preach against our own practice. 
There's a reason preaching through books of the Bible is now uncommon. I understand that there are times for topical sermons and even topical series, but imagine for a moment with me, if every church in the country preached through books of the Bible and every person read their Bible daily, brought it to church and held it during the sermon, light would shine on the darkness and expose every one of us. Perhaps we prefer to hide some things in the darkness. I suspect the only way to bring this nation to heed the word of God would be to go through the refiner's fire. It's not what we want. Fire is hot. But remember, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I suspect in the next couple of decades, the heat will burn or refine every one of us. We can't bury our heads in the sand. It's so easy to have the best of intentions and a heart for God and then end up down a path and stop and think, oh, where are we? If our hearts burn for the nation and we wish to diagnose the true health of the body, it's essential we survey the Christian landscape in honest light, admit our failings and do our bit no matter how small. God sees what we do in secret. Again, there are churches who plough through the Bible week after week and preach with sincerity and trembling, and may God multiply you. There are also signs of an undercurrent of those passionate for his word who are prepared to ruffle a few feathers to bring about righteous change. It is crucial we help the next generation build a biblical worldview to value the Bible as God's word, which provides the authority and foundation of their faith. We have to get back to the book. It's not that we worship this book. Nobody loves the love letter. We worship its author. It's the inspired word of God. It's the guide how to live. It speaks of our savior and his grand plan to redeem mankind and the universe. We have to get back to the book. It starts with us in a childlike approach to believe all of God's word, unashamed of God's word, preaching boldly God's word without shrinking back with each of us living out God's word, expecting our message to be countercultural, And when we do that as a unit, the nation has an opportunity to turn. Let us hear God's word today. As Luther heartened, let the man who would hear God speak, read Holy Scripture. If you are a backslidden Christian, I get it. I've been there, deep in that pit of sin. But the best, most loving thing that I could say to you, particularly you young men, is this. Get over yourself. Seriously, get over yourself. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, we're hypocrites. Yes, it was boring. Yes, your sin is a barrier. The reality is you are most likely using these thoughts as an excuse to keep the church and therefore God at arm's length so you can continue in your sin without that sense of conviction. Don't kid yourself into thinking you're an atheist. You're not an atheist. You're an idolater. You love your sin more than God. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Dust yourself off. Drop the act. Put off your excuses, put on Christ and come home. You will be welcome back, I can assure you.